The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. My father grew up in the city of Chmelnik, Poland, and he had a very close friend from childhood whose name was Rabbi Chaim Meir Bukit of Blessed Memory. And Rabbi Bukit was the patriarch of a beautiful family. Many of his children and his grandchildren, and perhaps now his great-grandchildren, now serve as Chabad emissaries all over the world. Rabbi Bukit was a Rebbe in yeshiva throughout the year, and for the summertime he would go to the Catskills in New York, where he would teach in a summer yeshiva program. In the summer of 1970, for whatever reason, the learning program in the Catskills was canceled. So his daughter, who, along with her husband of blessed memory, Rabbi Yerachmiel Stillman, they lived in Westwood, California. They worked in the Chabad house in Westwood, and they invite their father, look, if you're not going to be in the Catskills this summer, why stay in Flatbush and East Flatbush? Come out to Southern California. You'll have a good time. Bring the family. So Rabbi Bukit was not so comfortable with this idea. Vacations was not something he did. He would teach all year. He would teach during the summer. But now there was really nothing for him to do during the summer. And his daughter was making an interesting invitation to visit them in Southern California, to bring the family, to bring all the children. In those days, it wasn't traveling by plane. They were considering traveling by train, which would take an entire week. But the Stillmans were persistent, and Rabbi Bukit decided that he would write a letter to the Lubavitcher Rebbe and ask the Rebbe if he should accept them on this invitation. No yeshiva program this summer. My daughter wants us to go to California. I don't know. I'm not sure. Should I go? And the Rebbe responds, Kedai loy. It's a good idea. You should go. It's a worthwhile idea. You should go and give him a blessing on the trip. Okay, now the Rebbe is sending him. He's on a mission. So the entire Bukit clan boards a train on their way from East Flopwish, New York, to Los Angeles to spend time in Westwood, California. The first Shabbos that they're there, the Stillmans explain that they run a Friday night dinner at the Chabad House in Westwood for college students. And they're trying to explain to their white-bearded father that it may not be exactly like his shul in Brooklyn. It's a little bit different. The people look a little different than the Jews of East Flopwish that come to your shul talk. There's something here called a hippie. There's different types of dress. And Rabbi Bukit gets it, and he says, look, you don't have to worry about me. No problem. I appreciate the work that you're doing. You're bringing everybody in. You don't have to worry about it. Don't be embarrassed. That Friday night, after the evening services, it was time for the meal. Rabbi Bukit was invited to sit at the head table with all of the rabbis. And he says, no, I want to be in the middle of the crowd, together with all the college kids. I love their pounding on the table, and their singing, and their spirit. That's where I want to be. And he insisted, and as much as they said, no, please, please sit at the head table, no, I'm staying here with the guys. During the meal, he's rapping there with these students. The guy sitting next to him was this rather eccentric fellow. His name was Tuvia, and I've told the story before, and people actually knew who this Tuvia was. He was a genius. He was proficient in 17 languages, including Yiddish. And so he was able to have a great conversation with Rabbi Bukit, who spoke mostly in Yiddish. And in this conversation, he asked Rabbi Bukit, "Knew where are you from? He says, I'm from Poland. Really? We're, we're in Poland? He says, it's a little village. You never heard of it. So he says, try me. I've been around. I know some things. Okay, I'll tell you. The city was called Chmelnik. <coughs> so Tobia says, have I ever heard of Chmelnik? My grandparents are from Chmelnik. Not only are my grandparents from Chmelnik, but they belong to a group here in Los Angeles called the Chmelnik Society. 
Now, understand 1970, pre-Google age, pre-computer internet age, survivors of the Holocaust, I mean, to do research on anything was, was not easy. You didn't have information at your fingertips. It was word of mouth. It was spreading of word of mouth. Yad Vashem comes along and tries to gather information, but still it wasn't computerized so that anyone could find information. So imagine this, 1970, Rabbi Bukhid is hearing the words that there's a group here called the Chmelnik Society. And they begin to talk, and Rabbi Bukit tells Tuvia that he was an only child, and for years and years he's been trying to find some record, some trace of what happened to his parents. But he couldn't find any information. So if there's such a thing as the Chmelnik Society, maybe someone would know something. Maybe someone there knew, knew my parents, knew my mother, knew my father. So Tuvia says, I'll, I'll speak to my grandparents, and I'll try to find out some information for you. Shabbos was over. A few days go by. The phone rings in the Stillman's house. Mrs. Stillman, my name is Chana. I'm a member of a small group here called the Chmelnik Society, and I'm a close friend of Tuvia's grandparents. I need to meet with your father. I understand your father's here, and I'd like to get together with him. So they make up to meet Sunday, the Chabad house on Gailey in Westwood. And Rabbi Bukit was, was, was tense, obviously excited, but at the same time very tense. First time he's going to hear something from someone from Chmelnik. And he knew it wasn't going to be just a simple encounter. So he asked all of his children to join him and to go to the Chabad house for this encounter, but that they should dress in their Shabbat clothing, that they should treat this meeting with respect. They come to the Chabad house, the woman is waiting for them, a distinguished-looking elderly woman, and the woman says to Rabbi Bukit, I knew your parents in Chmelnik very well. I was a very close friend of your mother's, of Rachel Bukit, Aleha Shalom. And I want to share with you, as painful as it is, what happened during those last days. And she tells him, as the Nazis come into Chmelnik, and the roundups, the murders, the deportations. She says, your mother, my daughter, and I were in a boxcar together. We were being transported to the Treblinka death camp. We stayed close to each other throughout the whole journey. While we were traveling, I looked up and I saw that there was this little window on the top, this tiny opening on the top of the car. And I noticed that every so often the train would slow down. So at one point I told your mother that the next time the train slows down like that, we should hoist ourselves up to that window, try to squeeze through, jump out, and make a run for it. If we don't survive, we don't survive, but we're not going to survive this anyway. Your mother said that she was too weak to even try. I won't be able to. And I'm going to slow you down, and we'll all be killed. The next time the train slowed down, I turned to your mother and I said, please, please come with me. Please, Rachel, please, let's go. Let's go now. And she said to me, I can't. But you take your daughter and you go and may God be with you. She continues telling Rabbi Bukit, I want you to know what happened next. Your mother took me. She turned me around face to face. She held my face close to hers. And she looked at me in the eye and she said, but promise me this, if you do survive and you ever meet my son, my Chaya Meir, I want you to give him a message from me. Tell him 
אז איכוב גמחת עזיכר. I left an imprint in this world. I left memory in this world. Our lives were not for naught, and they'll never take away our memory, for our journey will go on. Tell my son, Ichab Gemacht, Azeich, I left an imprint in this world. She told me these words, I'll never forget them. I grabbed my daughter, I hoisted her up through the window. We scrambled up out of the boxcar onto the roof of the train, and we jumped. A miracle of miracle of miracles, because it took dozens of miracles, we survived. Years in the DP camp. And then the journeys from there. In all my years since, I've wondered if you, if you, Chaya Meir, were alive. I wondered if I would ever be able to meet my friend's son. If God would ever allow our paths to cross so that I can give you your mother's last message. And now I see you and your whole family, and she was so right. She left an imprint in this world. Her life was not for naught. Her journey was not for naught. Elam, Maaseh, B'nai Yisrael, these are the journeys of the children of Israel. We've had many a journeys throughout our lives. Our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents, they send us messages and they're telling us, make a zeicher in this world, make an imprint in this world. At every stop of your journey, accomplish something. You see, they're depending on us to carry the legacy of their souls forward, to carry on their journey. We are that Zeicher, we are the memory in this world. And through us, they live on. And through us, their destiny is realized because every part of the journey is connected to the next. They are invested in our lives and the choices we make and in the actions that we take. And they're praying for us and they're guiding us and they're encouraging us and they're pleading with us to focus on the journey. to take advantage of each day, of each opportunity to create an everlasting imprint in this world. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. StoriesToInspire.org Storiestoinspire.org